Lord in prayer, and, uh, and then we'll get into our lesson this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Father, thank you for uh, really the privilege that we have to be able to come to church. Father, thank you for strength. Thank you for health. Thank you for the, uh, the ability to be able to get out and, and, and come to church. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person that's here this morning. God, I pray that you would uh, uh, strengthen them. I pray that you'd encourage them. Father, I pray for these families and loss of loved ones, the family of, of, um, of Virginia Andrews and uh, the, the family of Dorothy Beck and, uh, and then our missionaries, the Hughes and uh, the Thorntons and their loss of loved one. And God, I pray that you would comfort these families. I pray that you'd strengthen them, meet their needs. Father, help them during this time. And uh, God will certainly thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd be with each Sunday school class that is meeting this morning. And uh, God, I pray that you'd bless the classes. I pray that you'd bless the teachers. I pray that you'd bless the lessons. And God, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to uh, Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. And we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, as we go through the fruit of the Spirit, I hope and pray it's been a blessing to you. I uh, I'll be honest with you, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it. It has been a blessing. I don't know that I have ever stopped and just studied out each individual uh, item that is given in this list so often in, uh, in Paul's um, writings and in the Bible, there's lists of things that are given. And sometimes uh, I, we just kind of read through those lists, but we don't spend a lot of time uh, investigating those lists. And, uh, and this morning, we're going to look at long-suffering. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22 in our text this morning, where we've been, um, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And we're going to look at that long-suffering this morning and understand what that is. In, in Exodus, you can note this down, Exodus 34, 6, the Bible says, The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. That is the absolute first time uh, that the word long-suffering is used in the Bible. Matter of fact, I looked that word up, long-suffering in the Bible, and I was actually kind of surprised uh, that it, how few times it is used in Scripture. And the majority of the time that it is used, it is a direct reference to God. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and so we find... That's the very first use of it in Exodus 34 and verse number 6. And it attributes it as a quality that God has. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18, it also says that almost the same thing. It says, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And so we find that the Lord is long-suffering. And, uh, and as we think about this idea that uh, it is a fruit of the Spirit, that's something that God ought to produce in our life. Uh, and listen, this is one of those things that 
uh, I'll just be flat out frank with you. Uh, you will not be able to produce within yourself long suffering. Uh, this is definitely something that God is going to have to bring forth in your own life. Um, I was, I was kind of surprised, this interested me a lot, uh, to find out that many people who live in Indio, California, uh, and I know California, is, it's out there, I, I know, but, uh, but, but people who live there are proud of a particular fruit that grows in their specific uh, environment and climate, and that would be dates. Um, and uh, they used to grow in, in Italy as well, and I, I enjoyed fresh dates. They're very sweet. I was actually surprised and how sweet fresh dates are. Uh, these, they're not the same, I don't think, but nonetheless, date palms live a very long time, the tree. They are unique, unique in that they do not begin to bear fruit until the fourth year. Could you imagine? You plant that tree in your yard, man, you go out the first year, no fruit. You go out the next year, no fruit. You go out the third year, and you're thinking, man, I, I might need a chainsaw. Uh, because this thing's a waste of my space. And in the third year, nothing. And, uh, and they don't even begin to produce until the fourth year. And he goes on and he says, And their fruit bearing does not become prosperous until the trees are about 80 years old. Now there's something for you. Not eight, 80 years old. Uh, is when it really becomes... Uh, could you imagine that... You plant one of those things in your yard, it's probably not for you, it's for your grandchildren, all right? Uh, because that, that tree is not probably going to produce uh, at least in a, in a great abundance until uh, after your lifetime. And it says, at that time, the trees produce approximately 100 pounds of fruit on an annual basis. Could you imagine? 100 pounds of dates every year. And uh, they are enduring trees that do not even reach their potential until their hundredth year. Uh, the date palm is a representation of long suffering. Um, what an incredible example in nature that God has given us. So I'll give you a, a free unsolicited piece of advice. Do not go out and start a date palm farm today. Okay? And, 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 and invest all of your money because... Uh, you're not going to see any returns on that investment for probably a good 80 years. And uh, so I don't recommend doing that. Um, but it, it is a good, wonderful example, really, of long-suffering and the patience of, of watching something bring forth returns. Um, long-suffering means this, because we look at that word long-suffering. I mean, uh, where do you hear that word outside of Bible context? You don't. Uh, I can't think of any conversation in the past month that I've had with anybody uh, not related to Christendom I'm talking about. I mean, in just the regular world, I can't think of one time perhaps that I heard the word long-suffering being used. It's not a common word. But what does it mean? So long-suffering means bearing injuries or provocation uh, for a long time. Uh, patient, not easily provoked. If we simply break the word down into the two simpler words, uh, we can easily see its meaning long, well, we all know what that means, for a length of time, uh, and then suffering, and that would be putting up with a difficulty or something that is uh, upsetting or something that is hard uh, that we don't like to deal with. So long suffering uh, is, is just that. 
And, uh, and we live in a day of quick retribution. In other words, people, uh, I mean, not just retribution, but everything. I mean, we live in a, uh, a, a microwave society. I heard a, I heard a preacher say, and that was 20 years ago. Uh, he said, you know, we got, uh, everything's got to be instant. You drive up to the drive-thru and, and man, you want it right away. And I'm guilty of that, man. I, I drive up to the drive-thru, I count the cars. And I'm like, nope, there are too many. And you know what I'll do? I'll swing into a parking lot. I can run in. I can get my food order. I can get back out. And I usually look, and that car is just ordering that I would have been behind if I would have stayed in the drive-thru. And so we're, we live in an instant society. We like to run through and get stuff. And, and, uh, and we like instant popcorn. Amen? Uh, instant. And we like everything fast. Uh, but, uh, but that's not necessarily always a good thing. And, uh, and retribution, in other words, revenge that people want to get. Um, there's so many ill feelings that people will harbor and uh, so many problems. And boy, we live in a, a, a lawsuit crazy society, to be honest with you. Everyone's suing everyone. And uh, this, is, this goes back, well, quite some time, actually, back to Abraham Lincoln's day. But listen to this. When Abraham Lincoln practiced law, he was approached by a man who wanted revenge, he begged Lincoln to bring a lawsuit for $2.50 against a poor debtor. So he was suing this fella, and he wanted to get $2.50 out of him. And Lincoln did all he could to discourage him of such a lawsuit. But it was to no avail. Finally, Lincoln agreed to take the case, but only if he could pay $10 up front. So the fella agreed. He eagerly paid the $10, wishing to see his debtor come to justice. And Lincoln then turned around and gave half of the money to the defendant um, and, uh, and, and, and convinced him to go ahead and confess his guilt and pay the $2.50 that he then owed, leaving him with $2.50 in his pocket and Lincoln with $5 in his pocket. And the guy who sued him at a total loss of uh, well, six, I don't know, seven dollars, whatever it was, and that it came out to all the money that he lost, but he finally got his revenge. Isn't it funny that uh, sometimes we are so willing to, to go through so much to see somebody else suffer or pay, or, or uh, as we would like to phrase it, justice to be served. Um, and sometimes it's just not worth it, to be honest. And we would have been far better off, we'd have been far better ahead if we would have just left it in God's hands and said, you know what? God's keeping good records. And God is the ultimate judge. And God knows everything. And so as we think about this idea of long-suffering uh, and we look at this, uh, I want us to understand the first thing that we can understand about long-suffering or long-suffering is the perseverance of long-suffering, the perseverance, in other words, to be able to uh, struggle and, and go through uh, long, long trials during life. Um, Paul wrote this, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You can turn over there. Uh, I, I can't remember if that's the passage. I know at one point he lists uh, many trials and tribulations that he had been in. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 4, he says this. Yes, this is the list. That's what I thought it was. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 4, he says this, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, 
in distresses. And he goes on and he gives a list. In stripes, in imprisonments, tumults, labors, watching, fasting. Um, and he goes on. In another place, he also lays out everything that he had been uh, shipwrecked and beaten and thrown in jail. And I'll be honest with you, uh, the, the life of the Apostle Paul is simply put an inspiration to me. When I look at the life of Paul, and I read about his, his travels throughout the book of Acts, and I read about how he was thrown in prison, and I read about how he was beaten, and I read about how he was falsely accused, and I read about his life in general, and how he was taken prisoner, and shipwrecked, and all that has gone on in the Apostle Paul's life. And I look at that and I say, you know what? The Apostle Paul just continued forward. What an example of perseverance. What an example of long-suffering to us uh, that, we could, that we could learn from. And the Apostle Paul is an amazing example of that, and he continued serving the Lord. Uh, one of the most amazing things I, I, I'll never forget during Bible college, I, I remember one of my professors um, pointing this out, and I had not previously known this. Uh, I had read through it, but he said in the book of Acts, when Paul goes to Iconium and he preaches there, and, and uh, if you remember correctly, they take and they drag the apostle Paul out of the city and they stone him. And the Bible says that they left him for dead. Remember that story. And his disciples, I can kind of picture them standing around uh, sad and crying and thinking, We've got to go bury the Apostle Paul. I mean, that's what they're thinking. I mean, in their mind uh, and in everyone's mind, the Apostle Paul was dead. And they're thinking, man, what are we going to do? And, and, and here's his friends and, uh, and other uh, Christians, and they're looking at him and, and trying to figure it out. And while they're staring at him, he opens his eyes and, and moves. And they're like, this guy's still alive. And, uh, and so they, they, of course, they help him up and they clean him up and brush him off. And you go back and you reread that. And, and it is not, but um, I, I don't know a time frame. I don't know if it's the next week. But I can tell you this, that, uh, that probably the sores from Paul being stoned had not even completely healed. And what does he do? He turns right around and he goes right back into Iconia. And he preaches the gospel. And I think... What an inspiration of long-suffering. What a, what a story and what perseverance that he displayed in his life. And listen, we can persevere uh, for a, a few things. Uh, we can persevere, rather, because of God's purpose. And there's three purposes sometimes in suffering. There's three things that really come to mind when we think of suffering and going through trials. The first would be correction. Um, the Bible does say in Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And by the way, this morning, uh, if you've ever been scourged of the Lord, if you've ever been corrected of the Lord, and the Lord has disciplined you in your life, that is a good indication that you are a child of God. Okay, Because he doesn't just run around uh, uh, correcting other people that are not his children. And so that is a good indication that you are saved and that you are one of God's children, that you cannot live uh, your life how you want, but God would take the time to correct you. The illustration is given that uh, parents give boundaries to their children. And I know with our kids we did it. Um, well, actually, it was a lot easier in Peru because there was a wall all the way around our house all the time. So that was the boundary. Um, you know, don't go outside of the wall. 
But, but, you know, in reality, you tell your kids, hey, you can go play in the yard. Or you set a boundary, you set limits. You can go here, you can go there, but you're not allowed to go past that, all right? This is the boundary, this is the area that I want to find you in. And what happens if, if that child would go into the street? I'll tell you what will happen. The parent will correct that child. Why? Because that parent does not want to see that child get hit by a car. Um, that's why uh, parents set boundaries. Uh, who knows? Other things could take place. And, and parents, generally, we set boundaries for our children. It's for their protection. It's for their betterment. It's to help take care of them. And sometimes Christians think, well, God sends these boundaries in our life, uh, and he doesn't want us to have any fun. No, God wants to protect us, his children. And so he'll set boundaries for us. And when we go outside of those boundaries, uh, listen, you can expect that God will correct his children. Um, sometimes we think uh, that, that, you know, God doesn't care about us or that he doesn't love us. No, he does love us. And that's the reason he will chasten us. That's the reason he will correct us. Because he wants us to live right and he wants us to do right. And so sometimes uh, some of the situations or some of the uh, trials are our own faults that we bring into our life from disobeying the word of God. And he has to correct us and bring us back and help us understand uh, that, that, listen, we're not doing right in our life. So correction would be one reason for some of those trials. The second is to challenge us. Um, the Bible says, and you can jot this down in Psalm 119, 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. What a verse. It is good for me to have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. That's what, Psalm 119, verse 71. I remember when I was uh, hiking with Brother, Brother Jason Perlack, the Wilderness Christian Camp down here in West Virginia, and he had... Uh, uh, he had contacted me. I was in Peru and he said, listen, brother, he said, I wonder if you would be willing to come to Bolivia and translate for us. I'm running a, a, a hiking with the church down there and, and we're in need of a, a reliable translator. And I said, man, sign me up. Where do I sign? I want to go. And uh, I had always, uh, I've, I've been friends with Brother Jason since Bible college and I've known him a long time. And, and, uh, and I was always... Um, he had always had these hikes, and I was always out of the country, and I never got to go on any of them. And I always thought, man, I want to go on one of those hikes. So when he called me up, boy, I was excited. And, uh, and sure enough, I, I flew down to Bolivia, and because I was in South America, it was easy to get down there. And so uh, I went to Bolivia, and, and I helped him translate uh, for, for the hikes. And we were hiking at, at altitude, which was not terribly difficult for me because I already lived at altitude in Peru and and so we were out there hiking and while we were hiking I remember this I even though I lived at altitude I, I it was kind of unique I was there hiking with them and Jason looked at me and he said he said look around and I started looking around and he said what do you see I said you know what I see is a lot of like grass and rocks that's it he said, yeah, you don't see any trees. I said, no, that's true. He said, you hit a certain altitude and trees just do not grow. He said, you might get a little bit of low shrub brush and a little bit of grass and a little bit of stuff of that nature, but you will not get trees uh, that grow after a certain altitude. And he said this, he said, he said, you know, it's interesting because Christians love the mountaintop experiences. 
And listen, there is nothing superior to being on top of a mountain, and, and the views are spectacular. I mean, you look out and you feel like you're sitting on top of the world and you see just miles and miles and miles. It's actually a very beautiful view. And he said that's kind of uh, the Christian peaks of life where when things are going well and we hit that peak and we're excited and, man, we can see and everything is uh, clear skies and going well. But he said this, he said, the problem with being on the mountaintop is nothing grows on the mountaintop. He said, you know where things grow? It's down in the valley. And we oftentimes in our life refer to the valley experiences as, well, even the psalm says it, the psalmist says it in Psalm 23, he says uh, that, that even though the shepherd would lead us through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. And listen, the valleys are oftentimes they're overshadowed and the sun goes down a little bit earlier living in the valley than it does living on the mountaintops. And, and sometimes the storms will blow in and the clouds will settle over and you can't even see the sun when you live down in the valley. But at the same time, understand this, that trees and vegetation and food and, and fruit and food all grow down in the valleys where we live. And sometimes God will bring uh, seasons of difficulty and seasons of challenge into our life, uh, not because we've done wrong or because we've sinned and He's correcting us, but on the other hand, because He wants us to grow in our Christian life. And He wants to challenge us. And listen, sometimes it's those valley seasons that we grow and that we ought to be long-suffering because, listen, we can understand God's purpose in bringing us into this valley is not to punish us. It's not because He wants to make things difficult for us. But listen, He does want us to grow through those valley experiences. And so we understand that uh, sometimes those hardships uh, are to grow us or to challenge us. What about this? The third thing uh, and reason sometimes for difficulty that we can look to the purpose of, of God is to bring us to a place of service. I think of the life I, I've read and preached out of the life of Joseph frequently, and I'm, I'm forever amazed at the life of Joseph. Here's Joseph growing up in his home, and he's got older siblings, and he's the youngest, and well, second to the youngest, and and, uh, and, and, he, and he has these dreams that God has given him. And, and he, of course, tells them. And, and, and he becomes his father's favorite. And, and he's hated of all his brethren to the point that uh, they actually wanted to kill him. I mean, those are the words they said. I don't know the intents of their heart. But they actually said that they wanted to kill him. And instead, one of the brothers, of course, puts him in a pit and he's thinking, I think he was thinking, hey, I'm going to release him later and, and to go back and save my brother. I don't want to see him dead, but uh, he does bug me, but I don't want him dead. And, and instead of that, uh, the other brothers take and they see a band of soldiers coming through and, and or merchants rather, and, and, and he sell, they sell their brother to these merchants. I couldn't even fathom that, much less... Imagine Joseph's feelings as he goes through all of that and then is brought into Egypt and he's sold into slavery and he's there working in slavery. And, and of course, he works his way to the top. And, and, uh, and when he hits the top, of course, there's a, a problem. And then he's thrown into jail. He's falsely accused and thrown into jail wrongly. 
And we find Joseph in jail and, and then uh, he spends so much time there that the jailer finds him faithful and he works his way all the way up to the top of the jail. And as he's there and he's just being faithful and doing what's right and, and, and he gets to the top and finally these two guys that, that, that work for the king are thrown in jail and they both have dreams and Joseph interprets the dreams for them. God gives them that interpretation and gives that to those two guys and one's going to be hanged and one's going to be restored. And the one that's going to be restored, he says, remember me when you come into your place back in the kingdom. And that chapter closes out. And then the Bible says at the end of two years, Joseph spent two more years sitting in prison after he told that guy, remember me. Two years pass before Joseph, before that, that fellow finally remembers Joseph. And he tells Pharaoh, oh yeah, I remember now that I was in jail and this guy helped me out and he was there uh, by false accusation, a good fella, and he was always faithful in the jail and in all the services that he did. And you know the story how he was then brought out because Pharaoh had that dream of the, uh, that there was coming a, a day. And, and you know the story how God brought Joseph out of jail and then put him second in the kingdom of all of Egypt. You talk about a life of down and down and down. And then finally, man, you're promoted to the second in all the kingdom. What an amazing story, to be honest with you. But sometimes God will allow us to go through things in our life because He wants to bring us to a particular place where we are usable to Him. He brings us to that place of service. And listen, if we recognize the purpose of God in our life, it will help us persevere through every trial and every difficulty and everything that we go through. We can have long-suffering because of the purpose of God. Joseph was long-suffering in life, but God brought it about good for good. We persevere because of God's priority. Uh, I'm always amazed as Christians, listen, we have a higher purpose in life. I, I look at lost people and, um, and sometimes I really don't understand their life. And I know they don't understand my life either. They, they live their life for, uh, for, for pleasures. They live their life for possessions and wealth that they can gain. And, and man, they're, they're happy that they can stash away funds and, and have... Uh, you know, whatever their goal is that they're shooting for in life. And, and, and they shoot for uh, power or doing all of those things. And if you think about it, how long does that last? I mean, once they've attained it, if, if your goal in life is to be a millionaire, and there's nothing wrong with having a million dollars, I'm not saying there is, but if your goal in life is to be a millionaire, and once you hit that mark, you're like, well, now what do I do? And I made my goal. And, uh, and then you have to work towards, well, may, you know, well, I'm going to shoot towards two million. And you have to move the goal and you have to continually. Listen, we have such a higher purpose than anything that's here on this earth that, that we don't have to move our goal. Our goal is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a higher calling and a higher purpose. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to His purpose. Uh, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be firstborn among many brethren. 
Listen, He desires that we be like Him and our priority in our life ought to be to be Christ-like. And listen, uh, as far as I know, none of us are going to hit that goal and say, well, I got that all done. I'm Christ-like. Now what do I do? No, we got something. We have a higher purpose to work towards. And there's always something in our life that we can work on. And we persevere uh, because of God's priority. And so the perseverance of long-suffering is, listen, uh, because we recognize God's... um, We recognize God's purpose and then we recognize God's priority in our life as well. So we see the uh, perseverance of long-suffering. Not only the perseverance, but the influence. How does long-suffering affect other people and those around us? Um, Another plant is interesting, too. I love love, when I read these things, I'm amazed. I, I love nature. I love science. I love true godly biblical science, not the crazy stuff they call science today, but, uh, but actually stuff that, that would point to God. And this is another one of those things, kind of like that date tree. Uh, it, it talks about the, the moso is a bamboo plant that grows in China and the Far East. And they said, once the moso has been planted, no visible growth occurs for about five years. Imagine you plant kind of like the date tree, except for it's worse. You can see the date tree, but it's not doing anything. Um, So for five years, you plant it and and there's no visible growth. Then almost magically, it begins to grow at the rate of two and a half feet per day. That's amazing. You can sit down and watch that thing grow. I mean, you know, just imagine. I I should have figured out how how much growth that is. Uh, in in hours, you know, so you could you could see how much it would change in an hour, and uh, it says two and a half feet per day, reaching a full height of ninety feet within six weeks. That's amazing. This amazing phenomenon is due to the miles of roots the plant develops during those first five years of getting ready for growth. What an amazing. Uh, thing that God has created. The Bible says this in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Um, Sometimes I think that we are so addicted to activity. uh, and We've got to be doing this and we've got to see progress and and this has got to be seen and this has got to be seen and we've got to be doing and we've got to be active. We've got... Listen, sometimes... We need to just be still and know that He is God. Sometimes we need to just be still and listen for the voice of God. Sometimes we need to be still and allow our roots to develop. And we're talking about that long-suffering. And we don't always have to react to everything that takes place. And as we think about that, listen, that's going to have an influence on other people. What's the influence of long-suffering? The influence is with our families. Can I tell you this? No one sees you more clearly than your closest family. Absolutely nobody. Um, I'm talking about the people who live in your house. And, uh, and listen, they, they see you when, you're, when things are going well. They see you when things are going bad. They see you when things blow up in your face. Uh, they see you when, uh, when, when things just fall apart. And, and, and they know you better than anyone else. And listen, your influence in long-suffering can help other people. Now, I'm just like you. I'm a person just like you are. I've blown up before. Yep, 
I'm a person just like you are. And, and there, sometimes we do things that we don't like. But, but listen, what I am saying is we work towards that long-suffering. I'm not saying that, hey, today we ought, we, tomorrow, hey, I expect every one of you to be long-suffering and be perfect in every circumstance. No, sometimes it takes time, and it is a fruit of the Spirit that comes about by reading the Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to work in our life and allowing Him to have control. It's not necessarily automatic. It's not necessarily something that comes easy to us, uh, but it is something that does need to be worked on. And listen, that influence of long-suffering can clearly be seen by other people that live closest to us, namely our families. And, um, and anybody who's been married for any length of time knows this, that lasting marriages are made of long-suffering. And, uh, and, and listen, you don't always have to be right. Uh, but but long suffering and uh, and and allowing God to help you with patience in your life, with our families, it can be seen. Not only that, but with others around us. Uh, listen, uh, your church, your community, the place that you work. Uh, besides your family, you probably spend more time at work and, uh, and those people see you quite frequently. And then your neighbors see you and your church family sees you. And, and all of these things have an effect that, hey, they see us and, uh, and they, they understand some of the difficulties that we go through. They see us at some of the worst times and some of the best times. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, right after the book of Galatians is Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul gives us some instruction in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, I therefore the prisoner, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, there's our word, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen, your vocation is not just to be a, a plumber or an office worker or a doctor or a school teacher or a lawyer or a mechanic or uh, whatever field that, you're, that you work in. We are called to be Christians. And that's the vocation. And he says, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering. And so he's asking us, he's saying, hey, as Christians, we ought to live a, a, a life with long suffering so that we can influence other people. And there's no doubt that sometimes uh, the there's no doubt that the patience um, of that you have will influence other people. And, uh, and that is something that's visible. So we can see the, uh, not only the, the perseverance of long-suffering that we've already saw. We looked at the purposes and uh, the designs of God and, and all of that. But the influence of long-suffering and that other people will see that. They will be influenced in their life. And then the deliverance of long-suffering. And uh, why does God continue to wait uh, before he comes when the world is so wicked. You, we, we talk about that as Christians sometimes. We're like, man, it is wicked. We're living in the end times. And uh, there's no doubt that the Lord is coming. And, and he is. He is coming. Uh, and he will come. There's no doubt. Um, 
But, but sometimes we think, man, wonder what he's waiting for. Why is he taking so long? Uh, the Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And in context, it's talking about his second coming, that he would come again. And he's saying the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, uh, but is long-suffering to us word. He suffers long with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sometimes you look at situations and you say, man, why does the Lord let that go on? And why doesn't God deal with that situation? God, why doesn't God judge that person? And why, God, well, why doesn't God take care of that situation? And sometimes God doesn't take care of some of those situations because he wants to give that person an opportunity to repent and change their life. What an incredible, long-suffering God. And sometimes... We don't like that. But can I tell you this? We're always grateful when we're that person. And the Lord's saying, I'm waiting for you to repent. I'm waiting for you to turn around. I'm waiting for you to change. I'm waiting for you to get your life right. And then we're grateful that the Lord is long-suffering. And certainly we are uh, grateful for uh, God's long-suffering. But not only that, but listen, uh, He's long-suffering with those who are lost, who need to be saved. Sometimes we think, well, why doesn't he come? And, and sometimes I really believe, hey, God is waiting because what about that other person that might get saved and doesn't want and would not be lost for all of eternity and would not spend eternity in hell? Evangelist George Mueller, a great old time Christian, began praying for the salvation of five dear friends. After many months, one of them accepted Jesus Christ. So he prayed and after many months, uh, one of them got saved. Ten years later, two others were converted. For ten years he prayed. Twenty-five years later, the fourth man was saved. And 52 years, Mueller prayed for the salvation of his fifth friend. His faith was rewarded soon after George Mueller's funeral the last friend was saved. George Mueller followed the pattern of long-suffering personally and influenced others to receive Christ and have everlasting life for 52 years. And not until after he passed away did his fifth friend trust the Lord as his own personal Savior. Listen, we need to be long-suffering and saying, hey, you know what? God is working and God can work. Uh, and God will save people. Maybe he doesn't do it in our time frame, and maybe those people don't get their lives right in our time frame and what we would like to see. But I can tell you this, that God does work, and God will change lives. And, uh, and we ought to pray for the deliverance or salvation of other people. Long-suffering, we ought to be long-suffering, knowing that God is working in us, on us, and through us in our life. Um, and, and it is a fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, and it's something that we ought to work on in our life. We ought to be sure to allow God to have, have place. We're so uh, impatient many times. And, uh, and we need to learn patience and wait on the Lord. As we stand to our feet with every head bowed and every eye closed, long-suffering, not, certainly not the most enjoyable thing, but great rewards to those who are long-suffering. Father, we pray 
that you'd help us, that you'd strengthen us. God, as we, many times we're impatient in our life. Many times, God, we are not long-suffering. God, I pray that you would help us. Help your Help us to yield to the Holy Spirit in our life and to be patient and to learn to wait on you and to learn, Father, to trust in you. And God, I pray that you would display the fruit of long-suffering in our lives. God, it's not easy. It's not even sometimes the enjoyable thing. But God, help us to see the greater picture and the purpose that you have in our life. Maybe the influence that we're having on somebody else. Maybe the salvation that you're going to bring to somebody else when we are long-suffering. God, I pray that you'd help us to be long-suffering in our life. Help us have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. God, love, joy, peace, long-suffering that we need. God will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play.